And today's reading is from the book of Ephesians. I'll be reading chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Wow, it is great to see everyone here this morning and all of you who are worshiping with us online. Uh, ran across a fascinating story from uh, Bob Roberts, who is a pastor, works a lot with uh, serving churches and trying to build bridges across uh, religious differences all around the world in the name of Jesus. And he tells a story he was visiting with some pastors in Myanmar who were having, uh, a number of years ago, discussions with the government uh, around wording about the rights and freedoms that they had in their constitution. And the Constitution of Myanmar allowed people freedom of religion, uh, freedom of worship, but the pastors wanted it to be changed freedom of religion. And the government was not budging. And so Bob asked, what's the difference? And they said, well, in Myanmar, freedom of worship means that that building over there is the place that you go to worship. And the man who works there conducts the worship, and you go and you worship God, and uh, you can go to any worship service you want, or you don't have to go to any if you don't want to. That is freedom of worship. But freedom of religion, they said, means I can practice what I believe. My beliefs make a difference in how I live in the community. And the government is saying, we don't want that. We're not going to give you that freedom. In other words, it's fine for you to be in that building, and you and God can get together there, but we don't want you out in the community behaving on the basis of your believing. And even though we have freedom of religion here in America, I think sometimes we have a similar problem in thinking that church is somewhere that we go and church is something that we do, that God is here and then we come experience him and then we go out and go somewhere else on our own and then we can come back in here and have a worship service and experience God again. But when we talk about church... We're not talking about a building. We're not talking about a place. Church isn't even just people who happen to gather to worship. Church is a community of people who have come together because of a common belief that shapes our behavior. Church is not somewhere we go or something we do. Church is who we are. And if church is who we are, what is that? What does that mean? Do you remember when the Hebrews were slaves in Egypt, if, if you're familiar with the Bible story at all, and God calls Moses to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go that they may worship me, that they may serve me. And God delivers them through the exodus, and, and he calls to himself a people to be set apart, to live with him, to be a new kind of community. They were to model what a people who do life with God can be, the called out people. That's who we are. This idea is picked up in the writers of the New Testament over and over again, that God calls people to himself, 
and he intentionally places us in community. That's who we are. That's church, not a place that we go to, but who we are, the called out people of God. The church is the community of God's calling. The church is the community of God's calling. So what does it mean to be called? And what's so unique about that community? Well, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 4. I didn't look up the page number, so uh, I'll let you guys find that in uh, however you access God's Word for yourselves. But in the beginning of chapter 4, Paul says this, As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Now, just real quickly, worthy of the calling you've received does not mean we're earning it. It means in line with. It means what accords with the calling we've received. And each of us are called individually to trust in Jesus, to believe in him, to be his followers. But, but in the first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul is talking about the church as the body of Christ and how we're being built together as living stones to be a temple where God dwells among us corporately. And now in chapter 4, Paul says, y'all, you guys, live in a way that is worthy of that calling, that reflects that calling. So it's not an individual calling. Julie Foster was just sharing with me before service this, this great statement. Our faith is personal, but it is not private. Our faith is personal, but it is not private. Because in verse 3, Paul goes on to say, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Keeping unity, that's obviously community life, right? And, and notice this unity of the Spirit has to be maintained, not manufactured. Maintaining something is very different from manufacturing it. My car is parked outside, and you can tell which one it is because it's the dirtiest one in the lot. Now, I know something about how to maintain it. I know how to put gas in the tank and how to change the oil and how to put air in the tires, but I have no clue how to make it. And it's a good thing that God has not called us to manufacture unity because we would choose all kinds of things that would appeal to us individually but could not unite us corporately. Crunchy peanut butter or smooth, iPhone or Android, hymns or praise songs, Jeff or Joey or Nathan or Tom, right? God has not called us to manufacture unity, but to work hard to maintain the unity that he's created in us by his spirit. But what is that unity? That's what Paul talks about in verses 4 through 6, what believers have in common. There is one body and one spirit. You were called to one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. The church is a community. It's not united by ethnicity or culture or background or education or liking or disliking the same things, or even agreeing how to best follow Jesus. We're united by a common awareness that we are alienated from God and reconciled to him by faith in Jesus Christ. When our first human parents fell into sin, they weren't just individuals, they were a community. And that community was fragmented. And so sin has brought alienation for individuals, and fragmentation to community. 
And God's answer to fragmented community is the church of Jesus Christ. We're the community of God's calling. That's why today, especially, we're focusing on what unites us, baptism and communion as symbols of what we have in common, the faith that we share in what God has done for us in Jesus. We are declaring, I am lost. I'm separated from God and his life, and I can't fix myself. Jesus lived the life I should have lived. He died the death that I deserve. He rose to defeat sin and death, and by faith in him, I'm reconciled. I'm forgiven. I'm restored. I'm new. I belong to Jesus. That means we're connected to all these other people around. Let's just take a minute. And I, I have this unique perspective of getting to see all of you together. Maybe just look around you at all these people. If they belong to Jesus, they're your brothers and sisters. We belong to each other. We're a family but we're not all the same. And that's why Paul tells us in verse 2 how we live out this calling as God's people. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Man, did you ever think about this? I mean, if we agreed on everything, we wouldn't need to be humble because we'd be proud that we had all the right answers, right? Boy, isn't it great that we know the way everything ought to be done, unlike those other people. No, the, the reason we need to be humble is because we disagree and we don't see things the same way. If we all grew at the same pace, if we all grew in the same way, we wouldn't have to be patient with one another. But we're, we all grow in different ways and in different times and in different seasons, and that's why we have to be patient with each other, like God is patient with us. And if we all saw things the same way, we wouldn't have to bear with one another in love. We wouldn't have to put up with each other. Why can't you just see it the way I see it? Well, I just don't because that's the way God made me. And being his community means we're going to bear with each other. right? We all have people that we have to bear with. Did you ever stop to think you're the person that someone else has to bear with? (laughs) That's a sobering thought. Here's what helps me when I'm tempted to be irritated or impatient or harsh. I try to remind myself, that is someone that Jesus loves. We're led by the same Spirit because he's working in all of Jesus' followers. We're headed towards the same goal. We have the same hope that that God is graciously, patiently working in us, and one day he's going to bring it to completion when Jesus is revealed again. We share the same faith. We're part of the same family because God is our same father. And I need God's grace and help and patience as much as that other person does. The father is working in all of us, in all things. And that means he's present in our frustrations and our disagreements and in our lives and circumstances, all our challenges. And I get it, man. It's it's easy to say, I I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to be bothered with it. It's too much of a hassle. Just let me do my own thing. 
I, I don't, I don't want to have to deal with all the mess that happens in community. I'm just going to come here and get what I want when I want it and, and then just go home and do my own thing by myself when I want. And when we do that, we're refragmenting community. We look no different than the world around us. We're robbing the world of the model that it needs in the community of God's calling. The church is the community of God's calling. To reflect together what Jesus can do in a diverse people united by faith in him through the work of the Spirit. When we see ourselves and each other like that, we make it our goal not to win, not to get our way, not to prove that other person wrong, not to justify ourselves. We make it our goal to be humble. That I could go into conflict or disagreement and say, my goal here is to model humility and gentleness and patience, to bear with this other person in love, that they would come out of this disagreement, this conflict that, that we're having with a sense that I love them and I'm patient and gentle with them like Jesus is. We'll make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Maybe you've never come to know Jesus in that way and, and seen him as the one who reconciles us to God by his work and unites us together in community. And if that's true of you, I pray that today you would pray along with me something like this, just saying, Jesus, I need you. I'm broken, I'm lost, I'm sinful, and I trust that you have died to save me. And I want your life. I belong to you. Church is not somewhere we go. Church is who we are. Church is the community of God's calling. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for this reminder from your word and this challenge and encouragement that we all need. We need your Spirit's work in us to help us live this out. Thank you that you have united us not by liking the same things or agreeing on everything, but by what Jesus has done. Help us to know that for ourselves. Help us to live it out in the power of your Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.